0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at
2: mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support.
1: This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. School is starting back and with that, some of the preparations getting ready for school should include getting your kids their checkups and making sure they're up to date on their vaccinations. And so today we have Dr. Feldman on with us and he's gonna be talking about all the different types of vaccines needed for schools and we're gonna get some into about our vaccines for teenagers as well. We would love to hear from you. You can always send us an email to kids at mpbonline.org say so good morning Dr. Feldman thanks for coming on
2: yeah it's always a pleasure to come on
1: and I'm you don't know I'm gonna say this but he got inducted into the UMC Hall of Fame uh when was Thank that you. just like two weeks ago two
2: weeks ago yes
1: yeah so we have a famous person in the room <laughs> with us now
2: I'll be glad to give out my autograph anybody <laughs> wants <it. laughs>
1: I didn't know. You didn't tell me you were doing that, and I just got the email and saw him in the picture. So. But congratulations. That's a very you. big honor. Thank so. you. It
2: is an honor. It's a great honor.
1: Yes. How long did you work at UMC?
2: I came in 87, and then in 2001, I became professor emeritus and continued to work then and consult at the health department.
1: Wow. So that's a long time. Yeah.
2: Actually, I was giving lectures and all kinds of student things till about 2010 or so
1: yeah awesome well congratulations again just wanted to throw that out there a little bit so today we're going to talk about our immunizations our vaccinations that are required for our kids as they're getting ready for school a lot of schools have started back and some are starting back this week and next week and so just going to talk a little bit about that of what is needed and then we were going to get into some of the shots that you get as your teenagers because those are a little bit different before we get started with all of that, though, we were going to talk a little bit about how to get your records, because uh, a lot of people, our our phone lines have been ringing off the hook about people trying to get their 121 forms filled out, and what the 121 form is is that's your shot record and your immunization record, but there's actually ways you can do that without having to contact the health department or your doctor's office, so...
2: And this is this is becoming more common and a lot easier for you to get your own records. And you can bring it up on your phone. I mean, it's not like it's going to be difficult. And what the system is called, and it's called my M Y Capital I Capital R dot com. My IR dot com. And if you go to that website. You can easily find, you put in all the information, your child's name, their age, you, etc., And that will give you, oh, let me go say it again. It's my MyIRMobile, M-Y-I, like in the letter I, R in Robert, mobile.com, MyIRMobile.com. And you can choose to register, and then they put in the required information, and this will have the immunization record of your child. And in fact, if you would not go in as an adult and you want to put your name in as the patient, you can do that. So you can get everybody's immunization records uh, on this MyIR mobile. And it becomes a lot easier when you go to the school or wherever for that form because that form shows up and shows what your child has had or if you needed your own record it would show what you had Um, and it's a lot easier than trying to go to the health department to get them to print it out or even your doctor's office you can have and just use your mobile phone or your computer whichever you can print it off your computer is myirmobile.com And if anybody has any questions, um, you can give me a call. And if I can't answer them, I've got a phone number that you can call uh, to get more information. Okay, here are the phone numbers. There's two of them. 877-978-6453. That's 877-978-6453. People in the local area can use 601-576-7751. Again, for the local area, 601-576-7751. And they will get you straightened out, particularly if you even have it pulled up on your phone when you call them and you've got some kind of error, they will be able to straighten out that error. And this is going to be the new system that's in place for immunization records. And it'll be a lot easier once you get into it and get it established to get the immunization record for your child, for your infant, for your adults, whatever. It's all going to be on uh, this myirmobile.com.
1: I was trying to set it up over here myself for my little girl and see if it if I could get it to work but that is really nice to have because otherwise you're having to track down and call the doctor's offices like ours are doing and our poor nurses are running around to death trying to get all these shot records together when you really just have access to it easily everybody could get there and have it so that's pretty awesome that we have that available so we'll talk a little bit about what vaccines to give and a lot of these vaccinations that are due for kindergarten are ones that we actually start in our little babies too all the way down at two months of age so getting them ready for school to start for pre-k and for kindergarten we start a lot of those vaccinations at two months of age and then we do shots at two months four months six months Again, at 12 months, 15 months, 18 months, and then again at four years. That's typically the schedule. Now, that can be fudged a little bit depending on if we need to catch you up, if you may have missed an appointment here and there. But in general, that's where we we typically start with the vaccinations. It looks like we've got a caller, so I'm going to go to John in Grenada. Hey, John. Hi there. Yeah, what's going on?
0: Uh, no, I just wanted to comment on that, myirmobile.com. Um, I recently signed up, like last week or the week before, Um, and one thing I like about it is that you can also uh, download a digital copy of your um, COVID-19 vaccine, so I just want to comment on
2: that. Right, and I've noticed that in some of the paperwork they sent me, that the COVID vaccine is going to show up there, which is great.
1: I think there is, can you do this as an app too, John? Is that how you did it, or did you just do it through your internet?
2: Um, I
0: did. I signed up through a, uh, on my laptop, but there's like a little QR code. Right. Where I'm using a, and I'm using an iPhone, so that probably. Um, but there's a QR code that I scanned with my iPhone, and then it downloaded that information into my health app which then also could export it to my wallet app, which is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's just an uh, app on your iPhone that lets you store diff- different digital uh, passes and things like that.
2: Hmm. Huh, well that's I didn't really, know that. Thanks. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing that with you us. You want to come
2: on and show, John? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not that kind of expert. So.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much, John, for sharing that. We appreciate it. And that's yeah, thanks. That's super nice to have. I, I think a lot of places aren't necessarily where you have to show the COVID vaccination proof as much anymore but it's still nice to have especially right. if you're due to go get your booster shots and you can't remember when it was um, it's nice to have that right there in your pocket so but yeah this my is going to be is as i think going to be very nice for people to have so we're talking today with dr feldman about vaccinations as our kids are getting ready to go back to school we talked a little bit about how you can access your immunization record and that website is my mobile.com. Mobile. dot com, and there's lots of different things that you can do with that. As our last caller told us, that he was able to download his COVID proof of COVID vaccinations onto his phone through that. So there's lots of lots of cool things you can do with that website. So myirmobile.com. And now we're going to talk a lot about all the different types of vaccinations, kind of what you should be expecting as you're taking your children to get their immunizations and get them ready for school. What what are they going to need? How many vaccinations do they need? And then we'll talk a little bit about the teenagers because a lot of times parents are really good about bringing their young kids into the doctor because they do need so many vaccinations. But once you hit middle school and high school, your kids aren't getting as sick as they you know once were, and so they don't go to the doctor as much. And a lot of times this is where we kind of see the vaccinations fall off is around the teenagers. So we're going to talk some about those vaccinations as well. So I, I don't know which one you want to start with, okay, well I guess the tetanus one.
2: Well, um, let's start with diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, which is whooping cough. right. And that's a standard vaccine. It's been around since basically the 1940s, so it's been around for quite a while. Depending upon when you received them as a young child, your child will need four or five doses. For example, if the child received the usual immunizations of diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, which is whooping cough, at 2, 4, 6, and then somewhere between 12 and 12, and 18 months, they got their fourth dose, they will need a fifth dose to get into school, okay? Now, if your child got three doses of the whooping cough, which is diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, before two years of age, and they didn't get a fourth dose before two years of age, they will then need a fourth dose to get into school, So they won't need five doses. They will need only four doses because they got three before two years of age, and then after two years of age, you get one dose before you go to school. Now, the polio basically goes along with the diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis or whooping cough. So you don't have to worry about that. Every time your kid gets a diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis vaccine, they're going to get a polio vaccine. You need only four, but usually most kids get five. It's a killed vaccine. Again, it's been around since the 19, late 1950s, early 60s. Um, and everybody gets that, so that's not a problem. Uh, one of the other vaccines you need is the measles, mumps, and rubella, rubella being the German measles. Um, and basically, you get one dose of that after your 12-month birthday. Um, And what you need then is a second dose when you go into school. Because we know the immunity or protection is much better when you get two doses. Um, So you're given that second dose just before you go to school. And that means four years of age, five years of age, depending upon when your kid's going to school or when they had their checkup. So they will need two doses of that MMR vaccine to get into school. Now, the other one that they'll need is the chickenpox vaccine. And that goes along with the MMR, or measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. Because when your child goes to the doctor to get the measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, they're gonna also give them the chickenpox, And you will need a second dose of that to get into school. So whether you are going because you're four years of age, five years, or six years, you'll get your second dose of chickenpox vaccine. Um, you need one other vaccine to get into school. And again, in this state, over 95% of kids have already gotten it. And that is the hepatitis B vaccine. Now, the way that's given is most hospitals, which babies are born in, give a birth dose of hepatitis B vaccine. And then you will need, your child will need two more doses before six months of age or by six months of age. So almost everybody has that hepatitis B, they get the three doses. And for some fluke, your child didn't get it, well, then your doctor will wind up giving you another dose of hepatitis B, and you'll have the required doses. But again, almost everybody going into school has already had three doses of hepatitis B vaccine. So basically what we're talking about to get into school is the diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, or whooping cough vaccine, polio vaccine, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine, chickenpox vaccine, and hepatitis B. And that's what you need to get into school. And looking, actually, this state has the highest school entry rate of these vaccines. We're well over 95 percent. Actually, we come pretty close to 99 percent, and have been now so for years. So our school, and that's public school or private school, all the same, basically have children with these vaccines. And if you think about it, at least I have to think about it is, we haven't had a case of measles in this state since 1992. So we're talking 30 years. And that's because our immunization rate um, is so good. And it's the same with German measles. We have the only case we ever had of German measles recently was imported from another country. Um, Chickenpox, almost see none of it anymore. Because again, our children are so well immunized. Diphtheria, we haven't had cases in the state probably in over 40 years. Um, Hooping cough, occasionally we see cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, diphtheria tetanus forget it we just don't have it of course polio the last case of polio in this country was 1979 I think except now there's a case up in New York but other than that we haven't seen any polio and in this state again we don't see these diseases only because the children are so well vaccinated
1: We have got a caller, so we'll go to Leo, who is in Philadelphia this morning. Hey, Leo, what's going
2: on? My question is this. I'm a senior citizen. I'm 71, and I know I had the uh, uh, shingles vaccine, but it's been um, like over 10 years ago. Do you need another one, or will that one time take care of you? Well, you're going to probably have to look into which one you have. Because the first shingles vaccine, and this is the one I got, uh, the protection didn't last that long. They now have a new one, Shingrix. um, And it's, quote, a killed vaccine, which means it's not a live virus so you can't get anything from it. That one is now available. And what they're doing is adults who've had the original shingles vaccine can now get a dose of the Shingrix vaccine. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had it, any of them, then you would get two doses. So you need to check with your doc as to where you got that vaccine because I suspect if you're talking about 10 years ago, you got the old vaccine and you will need another dose of the Shingrix Great. vaccine. I've had that at Walgreens and... They should have it on record. They're easy. I mean, I'm not sure you can go online. I don't know how, but Walgreens can look it up for you because they've got it in their system.
1: But, but, I, but like he said, I, I'm pretty sure Shingrix has only been around for about five, maybe right. six years. Right. So if it was 10 years or more, then it was probably the Zostrix, which is the old uh, shingle
2: shot. Yeah. And Walgreens will go ahead and get you. I, I think I recognize that name, Zostrix. I think that's right. Where I got.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the old one.
2: Yeah, I couldn't think of the name, but that's the one I got, and I had to go ahead and get the Shingrix vaccine. Great. And well, you should be able be to get it at Walgreens. Yes, sir. Do I, need
0: to, I, I don't have to get a script for that, do I? Just go in?
2: No, uh-uh.
1: No, okay. it's, it's one of the standard vaccines they should just be able to give you.
2: Great. Thank y'all so much for
1: helping me. Yeah, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate it. So we were talking a little bit, you know, about all the different type of vaccinations that we need for school. And one of the ones you mentioned was the diphtheria tetanus pertussis, the whooping cough. And you were kind of going through all the different diseases and everything and said we do sometimes have breakouts of pertussis or the whooping cough. Not often, but I have I remember in my residency, one of the years we had. Of several cases of it but a lot of that has to do more with the fact of waning immunity right. so these shots and protection against the whooping cough only lasts for so long and so um when maybe if you have grandchildren out there I know this was one of the things when I was pregnant they give it to all pregnant women but I made sure my husband my siblings my parents uh, my in-laws everybody got revaccinated with pertussis so can you try to talk a little bit about that too because I feel like that's kind of important for some of our older listeners
2: okay just try to keep it relatively simple the pertussis, whooping cough, diphtheria vaccine we have now is milder in terms of adverse reactions. So it doesn't give as much redness, pain, all that stuff that used to occur with the vaccines. But unfortunately, when it did that, it didn't give as long protection. And in fact, the school entry for the seventh grade is a boost of the Tdap, or that vaccine. So now when you're in the seventh grade, you go into school, you're going to need another dose of the diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, whooping cough vaccine, Um, again, to boost your immunity. What we also know is that way down the line, meaning 30, 40, 50, 60, et cetera, um, Your protection against whooping cough is not great. Now, keep in mind, if you're a 45-year-old or a 35-year-old or whatever, and you got whooping cough, it's a mild disease. You don't get really that sick. You don't wind up in a hospital. You don't die. None of this stuff. Where the whooping cough becomes, the big problem is in younger infants, uh, especially those who haven't had all their standard shots because they're not old enough. And that's what Dr. McLeod was talking about. That's why she got everybody immunized. Yeah, they could get whooping cough, which would be just a cough, but you don't want to give it to the baby. So one of the recommendations is that every 10 years down the line, you as an adult get a booster with this Tdap vaccine. And especially if all of a sudden you've got grandkids being born, you know, in that type of situation. Um, so it is recommended for adults, and you'd go into Walmart or Walgreens or wherever, CVS. And based on your age, they'll go ahead and give you a Tdap vaccine if you um, request it. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, keep in mind, again, getting back to school, to get into the seventh grade, which is what, 11 or 12 years of age, somewhere along those lines, mm-hmm. you will need another dose of the diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis vaccine. And it's Tdap, um, which means it's not as reactogenic uh, because, again, it's a milder vaccine. So you will need that for school entry. Um, Now, that's required by the state. There are other vaccines that should be given by your primary care provider. That could be the health department. That could be at your doctor's office wherever, and that is the meningococcal vaccine and the human papillomavirus vaccine. Now, meningococcal vaccine is for the prevention of meningitis, which is really rare in this country, no question about that. But if you look at who's gonna get meningitis, and that's gonna be in the adolescent age uh, into the 20s, Um, And that's why if you give it and you get two doses a couple of years apart, it protects you during when you're at highest risk period. Again, we're not talking about thousands of cases, but if you're a case, then your risk went from very low to 100%. So it's recommended that you get this meningococcal vaccine and you can talk to your provider about it. Uh, The other vaccine is a human papillomavirus vaccine. And that's been around now since about 2004. um, And the the brand we have now has been around, I think, since about 2009. What this vaccine does is prevent certain cancers. And one of those, the most common cancer it prevents is actually cancers of the mouth. The mouth, the throat, the palate, um, cervical cancers. Um, and other cancers, but the two big or three big or two big ones are oral cancers and cervical cancer. And what they have found is starting it at a younger age gets better protection. And in fact, now it's being recommended. Yes, get it while you're going into the seventh grade, but it's preferred to get it when you're nine to ten years old, not eleven to twelve. Now, again, kids don't go to the doctor at nine years of age because usually that's you're very healthy. You know, unless you really get sick, you don't go to a doctor. But parents need to think about when their child becomes nine years of age is to get this human papillomavirus because it protects against the cervical and oral cancers. And the most common time for cervical and oral cancers is in the late 20s through the mid-30s. And it's been shown that you get the highest protection level if you start the vaccine earlier. And this now, the big push is on age nine years. And you'll see that the American Cancer Society as well as other societies are all saying that's when you get the human papillomavirus vaccine. Yes, you can get it when you go in for your seventh grade um, vaccines, but you probably ought to get it earlier if you want to have the best protection because again that these cancers begin to show up in the 20s and in the 30s.
1: We talked about some of the teenager vaccines. We talked about the the Tdap and the HPV and the uh, meningitis vaccinations there is the new meningitis vaccine we didn't get into that one I didn't know if you wanted to talk a little bit that that meningitis b vaccine because I feel like there's lots of commercials about it now so some people may have seen that and the commercials and have a couple of questions about it
2: yeah if I'm not mistaken the men b vaccine is at 16 years of age it
1: is Uh it's
2: not for younger and the reason for that is and you quote Discuss it with your doctor. One of the concerns with the meningitis B infection is it tends to occur in colleges, and actually, if you were in the military, that'd be another place. Mm-hmm. Any place where there's a lot of closed living, and all the men B or meningitis B vaccine outbreaks that have occurred, and they're not many, have been in. Um, colleges. So sort of the approach is you talk to your doctor. Well, okay, you're talking to me. If you were going to go, you were telling me your kid was going to go up to Ole Miss, which hasn't had a case. I have no question about that. I don't think we've had a case of men be um, in the state um, in quite a while. But if your child was going to college that would be where I would consider giving the MenB vaccine. Um, again, the risk is low. There's no question about that. You're not talking about thousands of cases. The problem is if you get it and you're that rare case, your risk went from Zippo to 100%. So my recommendation would be to a kid who's going to college Go ahead and get the MenB vaccine. Hopefully, they already got the Men ACWY vaccine. Uh, if not, they would have wind up getting both of those vaccines. If, on the other hand, your kid was graduating from high school and was going to work at Walmart or wherever, uh, try driving a truck, who knows? I probably wouldn't be that much up for it. Um, but if you were concerned as a parent and didn't want to take any risk, then you can go ahead and get it. But my strongest recommendation would be kids going to college, be it four-year college, be it community college, anywhere where you've got that closed cast classroom setting because that's where that men be tends to occur. And again, it's rare, but it's a safe vaccine and doesn't cause really any problems. Um so it's worth getting the vaccine just to get the risk down to virtually zero.
1: Right. And typically we redose with the other meningitis right. vaccine at 16. 16. So we give them together a lot um, at that visit. And I, there's a few colleges now that are starting to require right. meningitis vaccines. Now, I've, I haven't seen necessarily the Men B yet, but... Um, yeah.
2: I think at one time Delta State required it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about the, which other colleges, but I think in Mississippi. now other colleges out of, you know out of the state, a lot of them do require. So I was
1: going to say one of our nurses has a daughter who goes to school out in San Diego, right. and hers was required. actually both meningitis vaccines. Right. so So yeah, just something to think about. I wanted to throw that out there because I feel like that one is being flashed all over the the TV screens. We've got a few callers, so we're going to go first to Gail, who's in Crystal Springs.
0: Hi, my question to you is, when we put so many vaccinations in babies, children, one to two years old, and you just named off a bunch, is there any reason, has there been any proof or non-proof that uh, it causes
2: autism? Well, it's been looked at. Now, it depends upon, if you want to look at the science, and there have been numerous studies that have looked at that. And there's no evidence that it causes autism. And actually, the guy who started all that, um, and I can't think of his name, but he was out of England.
1: Mm -hmm. But
2: anyway, his whole study... Wakefield. Wakefield, who published his study, wound out to find that a lot of it was false. He had false information in there. And he had all these other authors who went along with it until they all realized... That it was false, and the whole paper was pulled off. Um, Wakefield lost his license in England, wound up coming to this country, was in Florida, but apparently lost his license in Florida, and now he's as old as the hills, so he's out of the out of the picture. But it's been looked at in numerous studies, and there's no evidence that autism follows too many vaccines or any vaccine. Now, again, you can go on and get the, these weirdo places that tell you quite different. If you want to believe the science, it doesn't cause it. If you don't want to believe the science, then believe whatever you want. And I'm, I'm not saying this to you personally. I'm just saying that's what's out there.
1: And, and the other thing about all the the different immunizations you were talking about. It seems like it's a lot that our kids are getting. Um, but I've had many discussions about this with uh, immunologists before. Uh, Dr. LeBlanc, he's come over and owned this show before a few times. And if you talk to an immunologist, they will tell you that what our children encounter every day as like a foreign not body, uh, what's the word I'm looking foreign for? Foreign
2: antigens, foreign proteins, yeah, antigen- foreign anything, right.
1: Yeah, foreign antigens and proteins that our kids are exposed to just with being alive far outweighs how much they get in an immunization and that is another scientifically proven fact so you know that's a big thing that a lot of people are concerned about are we giving our kids too much well just your kid being able to sit on the floor and crawl around they're being exposed to way more than they are in an actual immunization and that's something that's also reassuring too Um, and there's like i said lots of plenty of studies that show that too so But hopefully that answered your question, Gail, and we appreciate your call. Uh, We'll go next to Sue in Beaumont.
0: I want to ask you a question. I'm wondering why, uh, at, at that age, shouldn't, shouldn't uh, people be getting or children be getting the uh, immunizations that babies get? Like, we redo their whooping uh, cough vaccines and, the you know, the tetanus. I don't know what all babies are, are getting now, what kind of vaccines they get when they're babies and go to the doctor's what about, what about a booster vaccine for them when they get to that, that age, you know, school age?
2: Well, yeah, that's the ones we were talking about earlier, about needing, when you go to school, be it K or be kindergarten or pre-kindergarten, you need a booster of your diphtheria, tetanus, and whooping cough.
0: Right, right, right. Right. Are they getting
2: it? Oh, yeah. It's being done, particularly in the state of Mississippi. Like I said, if you look at our school entry records and looking at the form, the 121 form, what you'll find is all these kids are up to date. And if they're not... Then they have to go get their shot to get up to date to stay in school. So, for example, just as in theory, your kid is four years old and it's time to enter school and he didn't have his fourth or fifth diphtheria tetanus whooping cough vaccine. He would get a month, or she, and they could stay in school for that month. But after a month, if they didn't get that shot, they'd be kicked out of school
0: you know you know can i make a comment go ahead i i was do genealogy research and go to these old yards and you'd see little children's graveyards and i said what the, what would those parents have given to have immunizations to save their children from things, things that uh, we can save them from now that's why i'm all for vaccinations for the kids you know younger kids give them all give them everything they can get let, so, they, so they can stay alive you
2: know oh you're right about the graveyard I mean, if you look at those kids who died back in the 30s, 40s, 20s, all that would have been prevented had they had these vaccines. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Don't forget the smallpox vaccine came into wide use in the early 1900s. And once that happened, smallpox sort of dwindled out in this country. We weren't losing kids left and right from smallpox.
0: Well, I think it's a great thing, and I thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Yeah,
1: thank you, Miss Sue, for your call. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens. We have been talking today about vaccinations with Dr. Feldman. So before we finish, we've kind of we've talked a lot about the vaccinations you get as um, an infant and toddlers getting ready to go into kindergarten, and we talked a lot about our teenage vaccinations. I wanted to just touch base real quick about the COVID vaccination because it is available now for our kids and has an indication all the way down to six months of age. So just wanted to throw that reminder out there. And I didn't know if you wanted to say any other words about that.
2: Well, just to comment that children, all children, six months or older should be getting the COVID vaccine. Yeah, they do get sick. Yes, they don't usually get as sick as older adults do, but they do get, and they do have this long COVID. I mean, some of the studies now showing somewhere around 10% of kids will get long COVID. Now, it's true, it tends to be in the older kids, but, you know, for a five-year-old or a four-year-old, the risk is low. But if you're four or five-year-old or three-year-old or whatever, over six months gets COVID, and then they get long COVID, you've got a sick child for the next six to 12 months. And it's preventable. It's clear that if you got the vaccine and you did get COVID even, and it'll be mild, you're not gonna get that long COVID. Um, So I would think I would wanna have my kids vaccinated to protect them again against things like this long COVID. It's not common, no question about it. But if your child gets it, you don't have any way to treat it. You just got to suffer through finally getting rid of the symptoms or treating some of the symptoms. Um, And we have a vaccine that could prevent that. And um, I think children in general should get the long COVID. We now know there are hundreds of thousands of cases of COVID occurring in children. Uh, So it's not like it doesn't occur and it's rare. They tend to be milder. They tend less likely to go in the hospital. But again, they're at risk for this long COVID and it's preventable by a vaccine which doesn't really have downsides.
1: And, uh, you know, the MISC is one of the complications that we can see after COVID, which is the inflammatory um, condition that happens. And I I think we're not seeing it as much as we were initially, thankfully, but we still are having some cases of it. But my friend's kid got that, you know, uh, last fall, actually. And granted, he ended up doing fine. He got the treatment. He did well. But one of the potential complications is some cardiac or heart problems, um, and so he was, I think he's 10, 9 or 10, I can't remember exactly, but loves sports. The, the poor boy plays every sport, football, baseball, soccer, all of them. And he had to sit out because the cardiologist wouldn't clear him until he had been out um, for a long enough time uh, to say that he was for sure safe after this the MISC and all the inflammation and making sure he didn't have any cardiac Problem. So you know, yes, you don't want your kid dealing with long-term COVID, obviously, but it's even the little, you know, little mundane stuff like that of your kid not being able to do the types of activities that they normally like to do. You just, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and so uh, the vaccines can help prevent some of these complications. Right. And so why not, why not do it? We know it's safe. They've kids are doing fine with the vaccinations. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there too, just because. You think big picture, but also think little stuff, too. You know, my friend ended up in the hospital with their kid for seven days. Right. Now they've got a hospital bill that they're going to have to take care of. And it's, it's all the little things that add up, too.
2: And vaccines basically make most of this preventable because mm-hmm. um, you don't want to be that rare or unusual case that has all these complications that you just talked about
1: right exactly so um and the for the adults we were just talking about uh you know the boosters are coming around and they're recommending getting boosters four months after your last shot but there is a new vaccination coming out for COVID, hopefully um this fall that is going to be better protected against the omicron variants right
2: especially the omicron five and six um That'll be what the new vaccine will be more protective against. And I think it's going to be widely available. Um, It's just a matter of you saying, do I want to get it or not? Well, if you don't want to get it, run your risk. If you're one of the unlucky ones, unfortunately, but otherwise it's going to be a very good preventable vaccine.
1: And it should be hopefully coming out in the next couple of months. Well,
2: they're hoping in September or October and it's more and more looking like the end of september or the beginning of october and while we're there think about the flu vaccine because they're sort of concerned that this year flu may be worse than it was last year well the last thing you want is to have flu and COVID at the same time and you'll be able to prevent the flu by getting the flu vaccine
1: yeah so I've been telling, I was telling him, I've been telling a lot of my patients, if you're coming up due for that booster, um, that shot that's coming out, if you can, try to wait a little bit just so you can get that newer vaccine that's going to have the better protection against the Omicron variants, um, because hopefully it should be coming out soon. Uh, but you know, I mean, because they do recommend waiting four months after your shot to get your next booster. That all may change once the new vaccination right. comes out. But as of now, that's the official recommendation. So um, I've been telling patients we've had a lot of calls about it. So if if you're kind of right there on the borderline of needing your next booster shot, if you could push it out a little bit um, to where you know that you'll be able to get that new vaccination, I think that would be ideal. Right. And then, like you said, the flu shot. And flu shots probably will be coming out in the next month. Right.
2: Usually the end of August, beginning of September, it becomes available. Yeah. And you're going to see, I think there's going to be a big push to concern that we haven't had basically had flu for two years. Mm. And this could be the year that we finally, because now we're getting out more than what we used to. And people are having more contact. And that tends to be when flu gets to be more rampant
1: right and just remember if you're 65 and older you get we recommend for you to get that high dose flu vaccine um that mostly you're just going to be able to get in the pharmacies not a lot of doctor's offices carry them unless they're geriatrics doctors so um so just some things to be thinking about on the horizon and we'll try to do another flu shot show later this fall so uh tune in for that but thanks again dr feldman for coming on with us as always it was a great show
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And one other last comment. Lucy, if you're listening, I hope you are.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, Thanks for our callers. Thanks, Jay, for producing our show. I'm not sure who our call screener was, but thank you to them, too. Charles. Thanks, Charles. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.